Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Baseball. I'm Jared Perkins, and as always, I am here with Dr. Caleb Mezzi. Caleb, how are you doing today? I am good. I'm excited to you know chat a little bit about our guest and then hop into uh, the interview. He has a really interesting background, obviously tied to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, we had uh, Court Sandberg on this week, a uh, former prospect with the Philadelphia Phillies, also played college football at Auburn and Eastern Kentucky University. So we'll, it's a cool story that we'll get into. Um, but speaking of the Phillies, Caleb, how are you feeling? <laughs> I am, you know, it's a little bittersweet. Those late nights have uh, really caught up to me um, as I get older. Um, but I, I enjoyed watching them. I don't think that anybody thought that they could get this far except them. Um, there's a lot to build off of for that team um, just because of that. I think actually the playoff schedule worked out well for them with the rest um, the two or three days and then day off and then for travel, whatever. But I think that they overachieved. Um, they should be proud and they have a lot to, you know, take in terms of momentum going into the next season. Maybe they can pull off the uh, 2014 Kansas City Royals and go go back next year and win. <laughs> I, I do think that this team is built because, you know, they're older, you know, guys in their prime are only 30, 30 years, 31 years old, maybe. Yeah. Um, and they have that core to the 24, 25, 26 year olds. So they'll stay. Um, unlike the Phillies of the 2008, you know, who kind of got old fast. And you have a good manager locked in from day one. So that'll be nice going into the next season. For sure. Um, yeah. But I, the other thing too, that we're kind of rolling into for the baseball offseason, free agency started. Um, do you have a main target that you want for the Phillies to go get? Yeah. I mean, you and I were joking about the Trey Turner pipe dream. Um, that'd be great. I don't really see it happening. Um, I want to believe all the rumors and stuff. I, I personally would like to see Dombrowski address the small window of opportunity, meaning going back to the playoffs, going back to the World Series, and trade some of the, the bigger name prospects. I wouldn't say they have, you know, blue chip prospects, but trade some of those for controllable arms. So like a four or five in your mm. rotation, maybe like, I don't know, I'll just say like an AJ Puck, like for the A's, get someone in the back end of the bullpen who, you know, has a sturdy arm. Uh, because I think that you do need to get younger, but you also need to get the guys up here soon. They do have three main uh, pitching prospects in the minors that I think we'll see either next year or the following year as mainstays in the rotation. So I think they need to just bridge the gap um, with talent from now until then. Yeah. 
I'm kind of in this similar boat with the Royals. I really want to just kind of get a couple arms to help those younger arms that they keep trying to develop at the major league level that kind of, that just keep struggling here and there. Um, but yeah, going into this interview too, that we had today with Cord Sandberg, I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought that he was an incredible human being. Um, and he just, the big thing that stuck out to me is he just kept talking about mentorship and the people who helped him along his journey and how he's kind of trying to pay that forward to others. Um, whether when he was going to college football and mentoring the younger guys, because he was an older 26, 25, 26 year old quarterback. Um, and then now going into his career and coaching and just taking that, the lessons he learned from all his mentors and trying to use that for the future generation. Yeah, I think one of the things that we discount a lot or we just don't, don't even talk about is how talented these guys truly are, like how athletically, like just talented they are. And yeah. to be able to play two sports, he's not the first person we've talked to. He won't be the last person we talked to who played two sports. But then to say, you know, I've gone as far as I could in one sport. It's now time to look at the other yeah. sport because my window is closing there. It's just even more remarkable. And it's also it's a testament to the to the fact that we've heard over and over again that you don't have to have, uh, I mean, you don't have to only focus on plan A. You can have a plan B. You can have a plan C. And he did that. And we jokingly said in the thing, he was like open to any transition, whether it's yeah. the baseball field to the football field and going from quarterback to wide receiver slash tight end. And we're going to talk more about that in this interview. But I think being open to those transitions and taking them in stride and understanding that it's a process for yourself. I think one of the things that stuck out to me was obviously he was very, very understanding of who he is, yeah, his identity, and he was always grounded in faith. And I think this might be the first person we talked to who talked about faith that much. And I think I mentioned this in my research. Um, faith was one of those things that we didn't reach a consensus on in my research, and mainly because it's a case by case mm. uh, need. And really, yeah. if, if if you're religious, it fits you. If if not, but. He's somebody who understood the role that it played in his life and it was consistent throughout. Yeah, I think that was a great message too to get across. Um, and so this speaking of transitions, let's transition right into that interview cord. Enjoy it. Welcome to Beyond Baseball. We have a great guest today, Cord Sandberg. Uh, Cord has you know, a decorated background in both baseball and football. So we're going to talk about that. But to kind of get things started and to make it relevant to beyond baseball, Cord was selected with the 89th pick to the Philadelphia Phillies in 2013 uh, MLB draft. He was definitely flirting with playing college football. And we're going to get to kind of that process and that journey. And then what he did when he stepped away from baseball to kind of go back into his, I guess, love of football. So Cord, without further ado, I'll pass it to you. Just explain your journey you know, kind of where you are now and, you know, how you got here. Okay. Uh, I mean, I could definitely talk about my journey for a while, but um, <laughs> yeah, to, to keep it short, born and raised in Bradenton, Florida, went to Manatee High School <clears throat> and played both football and baseball there. Had a passion for both sports. Uh, was fortunate enough to get selected by the Phillies in the third round. So I uh, bypassed my uh, football scholarship to go play um, at Mississippi State with uh, when Dan Mullen was there. Started my baseball career, um, you know, played played well at times. Uh, just kind of really ended up being an average minor league guy. So obviously, good baseball player. I understood that, but um, after six years, just kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew that if I was going to stick with baseball, it, it could potentially be one of those careers that um, you're well into your late twenties, early thirties. You're a minor league grinder. You might get a, a shot to you know make it to the show and 
and all that and um, just kind of praying on it because um, my, my faith has always been the biggest part of my life. Just praying on it. I was like, you know what? I think it's I think it's time to move on. And because I knew regardless of if I played football or baseball, you know, it, it's going to end at some point. And what am I going to do after that? And I knew my passion was a little more football. So I was able to get a scholarship to go to Auburn. Uh, Gus Malzahn had, I think he was the first coach to offer me a scholarship my sophomore year back in, I guess, 2010 or 2011. And uh, fortunately, he was able to, you know, he hadn't even seen me throw a football in like 10 years. And he was like, yeah, we got an extra scholarship and, you know, we'd love to have you come out here and, and play and, um, you know, compete. And so I, I was, I was pretty locked in on going to Auburn and, um, getting, getting an education there, hopefully, you know, playing, obviously didn't end up playing as much as I wanted to, but I knew the experience and, um, everything was going to be great. Met a lot of great pe people there as well. Um, and that's kind of transitioned me into, uh, this coaching role that I'm, that I'm currently in. Um, I graduated from Auburn, went to Eastern Kentucky and played one more year. I wanted to give it one more year to try and get on the field and do some things. I played, honestly, I played more receiver and tight end here at Eastern mm -hmm. Kentucky than I did um at quarterback and I had my pro day gave it a shot didn't hear anything uh and so now I've just kind of transitioned to to the next part and, and do what I can to to make an impact off the field yeah well I know that you came out of high school as a dual threat quarterback it's clear that you are way more than dual threat just football player um one of the things I, I wanted to kind of talk about is the journey to getting selected by the Philadelphia Phillies because it's clear you said it, you know, football was your true love. I'm sure that came up in conversations. What was that like? Were you getting, you know, scouted? They were writing reports and you kind of weren't having contact or they just saw you as an athlete? Like what were the conversations like leading up to the draft and then when the selection happened? Yeah. Um, so I had quite a few, uh, um, quite a few in-home visits with, with area scouts. And um, that was obviously a topic of conversation. And, and I told them, you know, I, I have a passion for both sports. Um, but if, if given the opportunity, I would really love to focus on baseball. I've been playing both my whole life. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, and, and I truly believe that if I was, um, if I was given the opportunity and if I was able to within, I guess, that four or five, six year window, able to see kind of um, what I needed to do to have success at the highest level, I would have loved to been a big leader and I would have had no regrets um, not playing football if if I would have been able to have a little bit of a faster track to the show. Um, and so those conversations with with those guys, I was honest and, and, and let them know. And it was interesting with my age and I was like, is this gonna help me or hurt me? Cause I was, you know, um, you can have the, you know, bargaining, and kind of have you know oh I need x amount of money or I'm going to go play football or is it like well I don't know if we want to waste this pick on him that early because he might not even sign and all that stuff so I honestly I'm not sure if it was if it was good bad um or what and honestly the, the only the only little bit of uh regret I have from draft night is uh Alan Marr was our uh was the area scout with the Phillies and uh he called me and I, I was told by my agent, like I'm sure all agents tell their players, hey, if the team calls you, don't say don't don't say yes, you know, don't say anything, just you know, say sorry, like talk to my agent and all that stuff. But Alamar called me, he's like, hey, Cord, so if we take you in the second, uh, like the second pick, are you gonna sign? Are you not? Everything in me wanted to be like, yes, sir, like pick me right now. <laughs> I'm gonna sign, like you know, let's go. Be I, I want to be a Philly and, and play baseball. And so I said, um, you know, I, I'm sorry, like I, I've been advised by my agent to, 
have have him uh you know speak for me and because I, I guess they can have other deals working or whatever you know was going on with that um and so would they have picked me in the with, with the second pick uh, i think they took nap which obviously nap's been a great player and a solid big unbelievable dude he just has a, a new baby boy as well yeah. um, so it's been great to, to follow him and hannah but um yeah that's that's kind of the only regret i have from draft <laughs> i'm not sure if it would have even mattered i things would have probably turned out the same but uh yeah that's that's what i remember from from draft night but when i did get picked in the third round um i i felt pretty good that um my signing bonus being able to sign for over half a million dollars for me was a huge deal and talk with my family and praying on i was like you know what this is enough to me that this money is going to change my life um as long as i don't blow it all away which i was um I, I was just a natural saver even when i got like birthday money i just was yeah <laughs> all, all this is a big money. birthday but yeah my, my my brother was a was a spender but um for me i was i was a saver and so for me i knew that was going to be life-changing stuff and it, it truly has set me up for um success here especially wow. with this path now that i'm on I want to stay on the baseball stuff because I know Jared probably has some questions too. Um, before I pass it off to him and then we go back to probably the football stuff. At what point in your journey with the Phillies did football come back? Like in the I feel like a good way to look at this is like when you're dating and like you have yeah. and then you guys get back together. So how, how did that process work for you? Uh, um, <clears throat> you know, like looking back on it, it was – Football was always in the conversation after the end of the minor league year, and I'm watching college football on Saturdays, and I'm like, man, that that just like the excitement, you know, like nothing, nothing against the Gulf Coast Rookie League, um, <laughs> but when you're playing on the backfields in front of maybe a few family members that show up, um, and then obviously there, there's some decent venues along the along the minor league, you know, path, but um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely not college football, and so. Honestly, it was kind of always there. It, it was never year, year after year, like, oh, is this my last year? Is this my last year? It truly didn't um, because I I think it was the end of my fifth season and um, I had finished in high A and I'd gotten injured and hadn't really had a great year up to that point. Um, really throughout, I, I mean, I think I ended up being like a 240 hitter. Most home runs I had in the season was maybe nine. Um and to start that next year, I was in low A. And I was like, okay, I know this is obviously a big year because now I'm going backwards. This is not the path you want to do. But I I knew that I could do it, and I wanted to give it on a shot. And I had my best year that I had. Low A went extremely well, moved to high A, finished in double A. I wasn't playing every day in double A, but I was able to finish the year in double A. And so my mindset was, okay, I made it to double A. Next year, I'm going to start in double A, be an everyday player, and you know let's like let's see if this thing can take off and see what happens and got to spring training we had signed some guys and the way that it shook out i started on the phantom roster i wasn't even on our actual roster to start in double a i think 2018 might have been the year and so i i wasn't even on the roster and then i finally got on the roster maybe a few weeks into the season was playing a couple times a week um, and then when I, when I was playing, it was just kind of, it was just okay. And 
I remember having a conversation with uh, Joe Jordan, who was kind of in uh, the minor league. I'm not sure exactly what his title was, but I understood he was in charge of kind of where guys are in the minor leagues and had a conversation with him. And I was like, hey, where do you where do you see me this year, next year? Like, where am I at? Because I just like I was expecting a lot more ABs this mm-hmm. year to kind of get more of a baseline on kind of who I am as a baseball player. And I was up front with them and I said, this was gonna this was gonna be like a really big year for me to say, okay, like can I can I hit at the double A level and have a chance in the big leagues? Or do I need to start thinking about life after my playing career? And because I was 24 and I mean I know Chris Winkie won a Heisman at 28, so I was like, okay, I, I need to kind of like I wanna try to do something. I know I can't, you know, go and play college football um, late late twenties and you know, into my thirties. I didn't not want to do that. And he was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, um, you know, I don't see you having a lot of ABs next year. He did say we're not in a rush to get rid of you, but we like there are other people ahead of you that are going to, you know, that we have been invested in. And I understood the process because I was a third round pick. And for my first four years, regardless of what I was doing, I was in the lineup getting ABs. But after those three or four years, it does kind of become about production, and mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't really doing that. So this was kind of I was hoping a year that I was going to get a chance to do some stuff, and it wasn't the case. Uh, so again, conversations with my agent as well, and because the Rule Five draft, I would have had to play a whole nother year, and then had a chance to maybe Rule Five draft. And if I didn't have ABs in twenty eighteen. I was told that I wasn't going to have ABs in 2019. The chances of me getting picked up probably weren't great. And I could just kind of see the writing on the wall. And I, I thought about maybe playing one more year and just getting to the Rule 5. But, again, I, I was just praying on it. And I had also talked with my high school coaches, and they had reached out to some people that had offered me. And I, I heard, like, really, really quick from a lot of coaches, UCF and LSU and Auburn, and like, and so – Hearing from those schools and knowing that there was offers, because um, I, I wasn't just going to step away from the game and not know what was happening, but I was able to be to have conversations with college coaches saying, "Yes, you have a spot here with us if you retire. If you're if you're tired of trying to hit the curveball, come on out and, and you know maybe play some football and get an education." So that's kind of where my mind was. It it, it truly it truly didn't start till that last year when I wasn't on the roster. And I was told that that next year would look a lot like this year. Yeah, that I mean, that's an incredible journey. I have to ask just before I kind of dive into another question. Have you ever worked with Hilton Richardson, uh, the Phillies? He's a scout. Um, he went and did kind of the same thing, was a prospect with the Royals, got released, and then he went and played wide receiver at Boise State. <laughs> I did not. I don't think so, no. Yeah, so he kind of had some of a similar transition and then wound up coaching baseball there. So okay. it's kind of kind of similar somewhat journey but for him he never played football so it was like a complete transition where he was just trying to learn a new sport at the same time Hmm. so um the one question i um have is there's i'm always intrigued by the transition from high school to pro sports because a lot of times you're still trying to figure out how to be an adult or growing um can you kind of take us into um how professional sports helped develop you while you're on the, in that young age and kind of what were some of the things that you really utilized to help yourself grow um, while you were trying to play professional sport? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like um, if you, if you ask like friends and family, they would have probably said that at 18, I, I was pretty mature for my age. Um, 
And so I, I, I did feel pretty good about getting into to pro ball and, and how I was able to handle myself. But um, it, it's definitely a transition. I, I mean, what I remember is having conversations about like insurance and like, I mean, even like, like basic things like making doctor's appointments and <laughs> having to sign documents related to your health and future, like all of those things. It was like, I found myself like Googling stuff all the time, like trying to understand more of like what this adult life is. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, you guys are right. When you go to college, a lot of that stuff, it's kind of like a gradual thing. Yeah. And then also when you get thrown into pro ball and you're 18 and you're sitting down and you have orientation with just all these like doctors and professionals and all these like just paperwork thrown at you. I'm calling my, you know, I'm calling my mom like, Hey, like there's all this stuff. What's the deal? Um, she knew a few things. There's other, there's some other things that maybe were kind of, you know, potentially new to her as well. Dealing with a professional athlete. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was definitely, definitely a process, but honestly it was kind of nice to hang out with the college guys and kind of go through that process with them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about uh, Hoskins and some of those older guys. Nap was another guy. He was in my draft class. And um, so hanging out with those guys was was big for me, I, I think, kind of in, in my development, just, you know, into adulthood, really. Yeah, I we I interviewed uh, Ben Kujina, who's a prospect with the Royals. And he talked about how those older prospects, a lot of them that actually had the college experience too we do morning coffees with the the high school kids who just got um drafted <laughs> because they they were like this is an opportunity to to teach them help them learn um how to kind of go through the process and he said it was a great opportunity for them to kind of learn okay how did they handle this situation when they came up with it and just i, I think those learning opportunities are always huge mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. One of the things I want to add to that, it's actually a perfect transition. I don't think we planned this, but <laughs> one of the things I have written down here that I want to talk about is when you're with the Phillies, you're with, you know, we talked about Reese. We didn't really talk about JP Crawford, but he was the first pick of the year. And yeah. then you mentioned, you mentioned Andrew Knapp. So those three guys that you play with, I know there's more, but they made yeah. it to the pros. They've established themselves as career, you know, pretty good yeah. career. They're going to get their pensions and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then you go to Auburn and I could be wrong here because I'm not a huge college football guy, but <laughs> You play with Jared Stidham, uh, Malik Willis, and Bo Nix, or they were on the roster when you were there at one point. So correct. At that transition, you're now the older guy. No offense, and no, yeah. you're me- you're mentoring these guys. Who, I mean, Willis is in the NFL now. Stidham is still in the NFL. Bo Nix will be in the NFL, and they're, I know they're not at the school anymore. But like, yeah, talk about that because you went from I guess being the young buck to being essentially their uncle i don't even want to go the grandpa route yet but yeah no i mean i was called grandpa dad uncle (laughs) all that stuff 100 percent um and yeah and i i I when because i retired from pro baseball and surprised my wife and uh proposed to her on the same exact day wow oh wow we have to talk about that that a little bit (laughs) that's a long story um but uh one of the best days of my life is it was amazing but um yeah, so when when we made the transition, I, I knew that I was going to be a husband. And for, for the first fall, we were just engaged and we got married um, the following February in 2019. But um, my, my wife and I took on the role of kind of being somewhat of a mom and dad, uh, you know, of, of <laughs> a little bit. And it was, I mean, it was, it was great. We had guys over, my, my wife's talked about this on, 
um, some different podcasts uh, with with people down in Auburn, and she was able to make meals. And I brought the guys over, and we just kind of talked. And you would see um, some of them were dating girls at the time. Some of them throughout my three years ended up dating a girl. And I mean, I think we probably had five or six guys that were either dating or had just met their girlfriend and they're now engaged or married. And, um, I just, I, it was really rewarding for Haley and I to hopefully just kind of show them what a Christian, you know, a healthy marriage, um, is, is, is kind of, I guess, somewhat supposed to look like, not that we're just the ideal couple, but just doing everything we could and you know, to show them, kind of what you know it could potentially look like um and because i mean in in a college town there's a lot of other things you could be doing than just hanging with some married couple um <laughs> and so it, and so I, I i think the guys did did appreciate it um obviously it's free food not that they didn't have enough free food supplied by the football team but uh it was just good camaraderie and i mean i, I took on that role and and it was great and then in the quarterback room guys like bo nix and malik willis had great conversations with those guys and was able to kind of share my perspective on, you know, life and kind of just big picture and, and what they want to focus on. Malik Willis was always uh, a pretty headsy, like he in huge, huge man of faith, just, um, and a lot of guys there. And that was one of the special things about Auburn is, and I know a lot of, uh, you know, football teams do kind of preach family and faith and all that stuff, but the, a lot of the guys that I was with at Auburn were, I mean, truly just, you know, passionate about football and their faith and, you know, um, the camaraderie with friends and family. Um, and so the, those guys were great human beings, um, you know, before I met them, but I, I mean, I, I thought I was able to just kind of talk to them and hopefully, you know, help them out and in, in kind of their careers. And, you know, they've definitely gone on to, to do some great things for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, your journey is incredible. I think the one thing that I noticed that you hit on a lot is mentorship and like the importance mentors played for you and the importance of you being able to mentor others um, with all the experiences that you've had and um, different avenues that you've gotten to go down, whether it's playing professional baseball, playing at the college level. How have you utilized what's some of the biggest lessons you've utilized um, as you kind of transition to this role coaching now? Um, I, I honestly, everything I know I've mentioned my faith, but it's just, I mean, because you've mentioned all the guys that I've been with from fo football and baseball. And for me, um, not that it's been a huge, huge struggle, but my faith has been such a big part of trying to understand the big picture because I've been around so many successful people that were trying to accomplish the same goal as me and they were able to accomplish it. And I haven't been. If, if that makes sense, yeah. which I mean, it, it, it wasn't the easiest thing. And um, without my faith and understanding, like maybe a bigger picture, I, I think it would be very easy to um, kind of get down and not really feel like there's like what's next for me. But this transition, because th this is my first year not playing a sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've just been really deep in scripture and praying and trying to understand the big picture. And I'm, I'm very confident that although I wasn't able to accomplish what I wanted to on the field, I want to be able to use knowledge, whether it's the coaches that I was able to be around, all of the successful people I was able to be around. And if I can end up working my way up and having 
as much influence as I possibly can, whether that, I mean, if that's coaching, great. I love the, I love the game. If it's more of a player development off the field. Um, but it's just, my experience has helped me um, understand that I, I understand my journey's unique and I want to be able to be in a situation where I can have conversations with guys on a day-to-day basis that were in my shoes and, and be able to like give them the life after sports perspective that I know they need. Cause I've, I mean, just here at the high school level, I've seen it and I was with guys on the football team and even in pro ball that I don't think really were able to connect with like their future self. And I actually watched a, a documentary recently talking about like the disconnect between like your current self and, and future self. It, it was like in relation to retirement and how people don't are not able to kind of save for retirement because they can't really relate to their future self. Hmm. And that's the biggest thing that I want to be able to to have influence on. And again, not sure what that's going to be. I, I hope it's coaching that that's the path that I'm that I'm hoping to get. I know once this coaching carousel starts and guys move around. I'm hoping that I can find a spot and, you know, feel good about getting plugged in and, and working my way, working my way up and have an influence. But it's just, it's a really big part of, of, of what I want to do and kind of what my, my purpose is. Cause I've, I've kind of accepted that my platform is not going to be on the field and being a big leaguer, being in the NFL, but I understand there, there is an avenue off the field where, um, you know, I, I feel like is, is, is where the Lord wants me to go and make an impact off the field. So I'm, I'm excited for what doors are going to open here in the future, uh, obviously at the high school level now. Um, and if, if for some reason it only stays at the high school level, I, I, I understand that, but I'm, I'm hoping to work my way up and, and have as much influence as I possibly can. Yeah, I, I like the the idea that you're bringing up in faith and that you're grounded in that. And I'll tell you why. A few things came up when I did my research, but one of the things that didn't reach a consensus was actually religion. So the interesting thing part, you know, there is that like if you're not religious, it's not going to play a big role. But it doesn't mean that it's not a big role. It's just case by case. And I think you're one of the cases where it's like this is something that helped you, that grounded you, that that was consistent throughout your journey. One of the things I want to just bring into it, because I think that the answer will come back to faith ultimately is like, can you talk to us about every step of the way in this transition and what you felt like your identity was, whether it changed or whether it stayed the same? I mean, you naturally took on transitions. And I actually think, Jared, when you were talking about Hilton, I was thinking like, this is a very similar story because it was almost like Cord was like welcoming transitions. Like it's one thing to go from baseball player to college football player. And then going back to your position of quarterback, then going from quarterback to receiver slash tight end, you're just like, I, I want to transition. I want to learn. So how would you say your identity kind of went from high school to the Phillies, to Auburn, to EKU, to where you are a coach and a teacher now? Yeah, I would say, um, and I, I know a lot of athletes have, have said this before, but um, from the get-go, my identity has been in Christ and who he sees me as, which has been huge and quite honestly i i've had this conversation with guys people people that play sports and other things that don't have kind of the you know i guess foundation of kind of what's going on like to me baseball if if you're just kind of in a world where like um you know this is it there's nothing like there's no eternal life like this is just it it just it, it seems like that'd be very overwhelming. So I know for me, my identity in Christ has been huge, but yeah, I mean, I, 
I was, I was a baseball player and I was, I wanted to be a big leaguer. And then, you know, I, I made the transition and I, I think it's, I think it'd be very easy to see some, cause you could really look at my career and be like, wow, that guy was an absolute failure. Like he, I mean, he didn't, I mean, besides getting drafted in the third round, that's obviously a successful thing. I'm extremely blessed. I know um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, but after you were picked in the third round, everything you've done could, you could look at it and be like, wow, that's a failure. And so my biggest challenge is finding the, um, like you're saying, identity, like, okay, so who am I? Is it, is it, a, is it like a failure identity or is it like, wow, look at all these different things that you were able to accomplish along your path that is hopefully going to lead to so much good and so much change in, in people's lives. That's, that's going to need it because while I was, I guess, a failure, I, I do understand that there's a lot more people that aren't going to be big leaguers than are. And so those are obviously the people that are going to need to be impacted and hear from people that have gone through it with a positive mindset, because I think, I mean, I have no idea what I'm going to go on and accomplish and what the Lord has for me in the future. But if you have a lot of athletes that are able to have a mindset of not accepting failure as an okay thing, but understanding that this truly is a process to learn from it. And whether you're a big leaguer or not, you're probably going to be done playing sports at 35 anyway. There is so much more after, and you need to be able to understand and have a have a purpose on what you're going to be able to accomplish with with that time. Um, and that's that's what I'm looking forward looking forward to doing somewhere. Yeah, I, and I think that's awesome. I think the one thing you hit on too that I'm working in baseball for as long as I have or had. Um, the the one thing I don't think people realize is that minor leaguers are the ones who really grow the game of baseball, not the guys who make it to the the next level because they go back into their communities, their individual communities, and they're either teaching kids lessons or they're working at their local high school. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are really growing the game every single day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. I mean, like, uh, I know there's an account on social media, minor league grinders. Yeah. I mean, it just, and they, they show the stuff during the season, but I mean, I play with so many guys that are mowing lawns and mm -hmm. working at UPS in the off season and just doing everything they can just to for, like try to help fulfill a dream that they've had. Um, so yeah, minor league baseball players are just the, the ultimate, ultimate grinders. And I do feel that because of their experience and all the different, I mean, so much diversity and what they've been able to be exposed to, um, they, they are set up to have a, a huge impact if, if, if they choose to do so, I think. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think the whole, like when you're saying, I could say that I'm a failure and then you, I go back to the phrase that you said from, I think it was a coach who said, when you're get, we're getting sick of hitting curveballs, which I think is the hardest thing to do in all sports, <laughs> come play football with us and go get hit by other men. Like that's just <laughs> like, that's like the great, it's like most people who are like, I can't hit a curveball or whatever. I'm struggling. I can't do this. <laughs> can't hit 98 miles per hour. They go, I don't know what I'm going to do. This person's saying, come get hit. You know, come take snaps here and just get walloped in the face. But uh, but that, that's that's a crazy thing where you say, like, I could call myself a failure. But ultimately, what you're saying is I had other options because I was such an athlete. And like, that's how I think you're grounded in faith. But I also think you're grounded in you know just the, the beauty of sport and spirituality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and my wife, she's been a huge because she's one of the biggest believers I know. And she's been um, 
just one of my biggest fans. And it's been through that transition, she was always positive through it. And I mean, she didn't know she was signing up for. She she started talking to a baseball player and, you know, watched me for a couple of seasons. And then, you know, I said, well, I was I was decent at football, too. She was like, okay. I mean, she, she didn't know anything about <laughs> my past. And she's like, okay, well, I mean, we'll see. And then, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, Auburn offered me a scholarship. She's like, okay, well, I guess you, you're okay <laughs> to do that. Um, and then I obviously didn't play as much as I, I, I wanted to at Auburn, but um, when I was able to, because I was uh, I was the backup in 2019, I believe. And um, so I mean, just one play away, go, going in practices with the twos, and I'm one play away, and that that's a that's an like as far as um, a mindset that is kind of challenging. If if you're a backup quarterback at a big time Power Five program. That that takes a lot of. Um, I mean, I guess it comes back to faith. I which, so I guess to kind of go on the faith thing a little bit. My goal is to try to like get people to look through um, a lens that isn't faith based, but it's more like practical based and to understand. Because like when I talk to people, I don't want it to be like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Open the Bible, Scripture, like words in red. I want to be able to like talk about okay you're looking to have a successful life and have a great mindset. What are the things we need to accomplish that? Mm, yeah. Oh, wait. Wow. A lot of these things align with what was written 2000 years ago. Maybe there is some truth to this. Um, and so that's kind of my path with that. But anyway, the mindset of a quarterback is extremely at times difficult at a power five program because you're preparing and putting just as much work in as the starter. But on Saturdays, it's a hundred thousand people when the, quarterback one gets announced going mm. nuts and going crazy and it's like man like that was my name they'd be going nuts too and you know you're watching the game because all of these quarterbacks at power five levels i mean obviously you have guys that are extremely special but for the most part all these programs they're one and two guys and really maybe a third on their roster can get a job done and win games and be a huge you know success i mean i, I look at tcu this year um because Chandler Morris was the starter, unbelievable, unbelievable player. I got to meet him because his dad was my offensive coordinator at Auburn. And uh, so he's an unbelievably great human being, great kid. Unfortunately, he gets injured. The Max Duggan guy comes in and leads them on this, you know, undefeated, undefeated season so far. And they play Texas. And, I mean, Chandler Morris isn't the only player that's had to, to do that. But, you know, he's on the sidelines thinking, like, wow, like, this was, this was supposed to be my year to come mm -hmm. out and – and you know have everyone know my name and he has to watch that and so like i mean for me if you don't have faith and some sort of bigger perspective on what's going on that's going to be extremely difficult uh to deal with um and so yeah whatever field i'm in i just want to be able to have conversations with guys like that and 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 make sure that they're at peace with with the big picture of of what's going on yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome. And it kind of dives into the last question here that I'll ask. And we ask every guest this question because, one, we want this to be a show where fans enjoy, but we also want to have the potential for other athletes and future athletes to be able to learn something from it or take something away. So if you had one lesson for an athlete trying to transition out of the game or looking at their careers coming to an end, like what would that one piece of advice be? It would be to find something that they're passionate about besides the game. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, j j just cause you've played baseball or football for X amount of years, doesn't mean that you're 
um, you know, platform or influence is going to be in that game, find, find something that you're passionate about and find something in your community or if it's somewhere else, obviously with social media and everything, there's just so many different outlets to be able to find something that, that you're able to, to enjoy. Um, and so find, find your purpose and then find somewhere where you can get plugged in, where you can maximize what your, what your gifts are, um, to make that happen. I mean, I guess that's kind of a, a simple answer, but, um, I know, I know the term like passion over paycheck is, uh, said on social media all the time, but I, I do think there's a lot of, a lot of truth and, and value into that. If you're looking for something to do, it, it, it can't really start with, okay, how much does this job make? You yeah. need to understand who you are, like your strengths. And I feel up to this point, my strengths are the ability to communicate with people. I've, um, I've been able to connect with a couple of the players on our football team and it's been night and day and kind of their perspective on things. Cause, um, our high school, great high school, great kids. Um, and every, every system is different, but at our high school, you're able to, um, technically be failing a couple classes, but you're still eligible to play football. And, when I, when I learned more about it and I had conversations with some, some of the teachers and understood that's what it was. I was like, Oh wow. Like these players need to know that just because they're eligible to play football, like you're failing a class that you need to graduate to play college football if you want to do that or whatever you want to do in life. And Mm -hmm. so I guess it just kind of goes back to, I want, I want to do the best I can to be able to um, have people think about their, their future self. And so I guess the the last part to, to answer your question would be to think about your future self. Like, don't like the instant gratification. Like, what's going to make me happy now? Um, it's just like you the the ability to try and relate to yourself and who you're going to be in twenty, thirty years. Like, those are the decisions you, decisions you need to be making right now, right now. And so it, it's been very fulfilling to me. To I mean, he was he was not doing so hot in math class and he was able to get some assignments turned in and before the game he didn't ask me like a question about the game plan he was like coach did you see my grade in math i was like <laughs> no i haven't yet you're doing you're doing all right and so it was just, i don't know it, just, it brought me so much joy to see him excited about that um and so that that just kind of like it kind of hit me like okay like i guess i did have some impact on him and if if i can have an impact on him why not a lot more and just kind of you know see what the what the future holds for me yeah. I mean, I think that's an awesome way to wrap up. And that's a common theme that I think we have with a lot of guests is finding those passions outside of the sport and the things that you love. Um, Cord, we can't thank you enough for joining us. This was an awesome interview and just an awesome to spend some time with you and talk about all these things. And we wish you nothing but the best in your coaching career. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you, Cord.